You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to the first ever Garibaldi Red live show. Again, thank you for coming. Give yourselves a round of applause if you like. And of course, please give a round of applause for our special guest, first of all, Darren Fletcher. And everyone's favourite former Forest player, David Prutton. Should we start with you? You can, yes. Yeah. Thank you. I'm really glad these were on when we were having that chat just now. I don't think that picked up anything, did it? The stories that you just told, good. Uh, Frightening. I think the last time you were on, Boris were getting well, battered quite often. They're not now. How are you feeling about the season? Feeling good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it, it feels like there's a, an, a, an approach to a corner being turned, I think. I'm really intrigued to see how they all come back off the back of this break that none of us are used to at all. Uh, I'm, they're in sunnier climbs at the moment. Couldn't we have done this live from Valencia? That would have been amazing. Yeah, uh, there's plenty to be positive about. Great that Steve's sticking around, or they've deemed him fit enough to stick around, I think. Hell of a task. Hell of a task. I think we've all seen that two decades away from the top level, it's a pretty brutal place to hang around now, don't you think, Fledge? It is, yeah. I mean, the biggest concern I've got, and you made the point there, we just don't know what it's going to look like mm. when it restarts. I mean... When you look at it, this is just about as big a gap as you get from one season to the next. And the form never carries over. So we don't really know what anybody's going to look like when they come back. You know, teams that we kind of written off could be completely different. Teams that we think could win a championship, maybe weaker. I think the only thing we can guarantee is that Manchester City are going to come back and be Manchester City. But we don't really know about anybody else. So... My caveat would be, yes, we finished the first half of this season brilliantly. And if we pick up where we left off, then I think we'll stay in the Premier League. But you just don't know how anybody's going to react to the break and what it's going to look like when, we, when they come back, because we haven't done this before. No. And, and players are going to come back in various stages of fitness, needing rest, depending on how far they've gone in the World Cup. Some clubs are going to have... Hardly any players away at the World Cup, so they've essentially had a, a lot of time to, to rest and relax. So I just hope that they can rediscover that confidence, the way they were playing before it finished quickly. And if they do, then I feel quite confident. But I just don't know at this stage what the Premier League's going to look like from top to bottom when it restarts. Who are you looking at then? There's players you think two or three have really got to step up for Forrest to be the difference makers, Fletch? Well, I think those players were stepping up, weren't they? You know, before the break, I think we had high hopes for Jesse Lingard when he signed. And I think from Tottenham onwards, we were starting to see Jesse Lingard look like Jesse Lingard. I think the more games that Morgan Gibbs-White plays, you can see why Steve Cooper wants to build a team around him because you're starting to see that he's that kind of player. But, you know, the midfield was, was working a lot better as a unit. Froyle has gone away and had a great World Cup, so he's going to come back full of confidence. But Czech Kiate for 60 minutes every match looked fantastic. Now you lose that, so can Mangala step in and be Czech Kiate? So I just think that everybody's essentially starting from scratch. And I also think there's a real desire at Forest right now to buy players that are going to affect the 11. I think they bought players in the summer to build a, a squad. Now I think Steve's got a bit more power. He's got the backing of the owner. They've got a new sporting director. And I think the next stage for them now is to buy players who affect the 11. And if they can do that in January, 
then that's huge for them. But of course, there are other teams who want to affect their eleven at the same time. So it's not a given that they can do it, but I think it's going to be a lot more joined up in terms of how the recruitment policy is this January. It feels that way, doesn't it? It seemed a, a tad scattergun, and obviously it's been dismantled with regards to what that was deemed to be not a successful way of doing it. I still, I, I, the modern manager very rarely gets, unless you are Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, gets the chance to say, I want these players, go and get them. And if you can't get them, don't get anyone else. That just doesn't seem to be the way it is. I don't think it helps when, as Fletcher's saying, when you are bringing players in that just seem to be padding out the squad. Like you say, players that come in and affect an 11, the other side of that is they cost a hell of a lot of money. Now, it's whether you speculate to accumulate in January and think it's taken us this long to get back here. Why not go for it? Obviously, I understand financially you've got to be very sound but if anything, it stops me talking about Forest next season. You know what I mean? If 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 push comes we don't to want shit, that. if that's not motivation enough, I don't know what is. So where are you looking then? If you had a pretty blank Maranakis checkbook, perhaps what do they need? Well, I always when you look at a team such as this, I always look down the spine of it. Um, whether, I mean, be, to have a centre central defender with real pace with real quality on the ball. And again, that's not denigrating what Forest have got. Some very, very good lads in there, some very good players as well. But it's it's going up the levels. You look to the Southampton side that came up and I think it was Nicola Cortez who was in charge and he was very quick to swiftly bin. Thank you for that. Next manager comes in. That set of players, thank you. This set of players comes in and you progress um, accordingly. In midfield, Fletcher's mentioned Froiler. Big fan of Ryan Yates. Yates has got to play, like we've seen him on the odd occasion, all season to stay in that team, to keep that team fit and firing and moving forward. Um, and I say that across the board with so many Forest players. They need, between now and the end of the season, seven, eight, nine out of ten, pretty much every other day, don't they? Because of who they're playing against and how often these massive games are coming. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you completely when you talk about the spine. I think they need some speed at centre-back. I think if Musa Niakate comes back and is the player that they think he can be, it solves the problem, but I still think they'd like another one at least who can provide a similar skill set that he has. I think they'd like a number six that can pass it forward a little bit more than Freuler does. I think they like the fact that Freuler can keep the ball, but I think the way the team is set up, it's built to have speed on the counter-attack. And, you know, the, if you've got a number six that can play forward, a number six that's better on the ball in terms of being an attacking player, it can add a lot to your team. And I don't think they've worked out the number nine. I've seen Sam Surridge come in and have some great games. And, and when he came on and made the impact that he made against Tottenham, you think, well, go and give him a run in the side. So I think that's something they might look at now is giving Sam a run in the team and seeing what he can do in the Premier League. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think Tywo Awani seems to have a knack of scoring goals, but I don't think sometimes he knows how he's scoring them. So I think, you know, that, that, that is a work in, in progress, but they've got a very good coach in, in Steve Cooper, not just a manager. So I think given time... They'll sort that out. But I think if they could get a number nine that they could really rely on, I know Steve's like to play the three. I can't quite work out whether that's exactly what he wants to do or whether he's doing it because he doesn't have complete faith in the nine that he's got in Taiwo at the minute. So I think that spine of the team, centre-back, centre-mid, centre-forward, if they can affect the 11 with players like that, then I think it gives them a better chance in, in, in the second half of this season. Out of curiosity, any uh, Ryan Yates sceptics in the audience still, if you're brave enough to raise your hands? None. If anybody needs to assess the role that Steve Cooper plays in this group, 
It's the impact he's had on Ryan Yates as a footballer. If you think when this season started, Ryan Yates looked fit, he looked hungry, committed, but was he technically good enough for the Premier League? That was the question. Could he pass it well enough in that group to keep his place in the Premier League? He got man of the match against Brighton, away from home in the nil-nil. And I think at that point, that's where the manager said to him, listen, if you want to do this long-term, you've got to be better technically. And I think from that point on, we've seen that young man, who's completely committed to this club, by the way, become better with the ball. He's starting to become more rounded as a player. I think he's a blank canvas to a certain extent. I think the sky's the limit for him because he's so eager to learn. And I think he's very lucky because he's got a very good coach. And I think people sometimes get bogged down with somebody being a manager and they forget that he's a very good coach. They can make poor players good. They can make good players very good. They can make very good players great. That's what a good coach does. Forrest have got that in the manager that they have now. And I think Ryan is the case in point, Prutz, that yeah. when you look at his improvement in the Premier League, it's quite startling, really, to see the strides he's made in a short space of time. It is, and, and without sounding too twee, it's also nice to see someone who is very evidently a nice young man yeah. getting on. And um, Young man, yeah. It's, it's, it's the type of story, I think, that... And only, only through by having a very specific um, experience of, of being a younger midfielder coming through a wonderful football club and you understand and you and you buy into it from the minute you walk in the door. He's done exactly that, I think. And I think, I'd say character building, you can't go through your whole career with everyone liking you. I'd have taken a couple of games, it'd have been lovely. But I think <laughs> if you look at how he's got through it, and that's what it is, getting through it, it's relative, getting through people not liking you as a footballer to then turn in the corner. Obviously, it's not curing any form of the world ills. But I think um, how he's gone about it, the player that he's becoming, and as Fletcher says, he's getting it because you look at to my taste of the Premier League from nearly 20 years ago, having the pleasure of working on it now, it's like watching superhumans run around way too quickly and for way too long. You just sat there with your jaw on the, on the ground, and I'm sure you've all seen it. The, the atmosphere here has been staggering, but I bet there's teams that have turned up and you've thought, Christ almighty, these don't look a lot different to they did 20 years ago, because... That's just how they get the, for the fundamentals of the game are the same. It's now played by what feels like a different species of human being. And by the way, it, it's down to him as well that he's got the attitude and the application to be able to improve himself with the assistance of the manager, the coaching staff, etc., etc. It's down to him that he's got it in him to see what his shortcomings are, to see where he wants to improve, and then to get out there on the training pitch day after day after day to turn himself into a man who's become a very, very, very effective central midfield player in the Premier League. And I don't think Forrest would have the points they have at the moment without him because his drive, his leadership, his commitment, all of those kind of things that fans love to see and managers need in situations like this, he's got it in abundance. One thing I want to ask you, Prots, from playing experience is how hard is it to be brave on the pitch? And I don't mean brave like Yatesy putting the tackles in, but when the sceptics are saying he can't pass it forward, he can't create... How hard is it to be brave and, and take that challenge on? Because he has done it. There is a bravery to it. My experience of it with someone like Paul Hart was exactly that. You'd, you'd do it from being on, on boots on a Saturday morning and um, teaching you how to try and deal with that pressure. Because that's what a lot of it is. It's stress testing. And you, you might look at certain footballs and you think that one might be not as technically gifted as another one. But because that player, you can get six, seven out of ten more often than not in front of 20,000 plus people, then they'll always be a better name on a team sheet because they're more reliable. And I think 
um, to have the bravery to get on the ball. And it is unique, and I'm not saying this to blow smoke up um, our collective backsides here from a Forest fan point of view. It's a club that's built on a certain way of playing football. We mentioned Chris Hewton and, and a lot of time for Chris. I remember doing games in lockdown thinking, Jesus Christ, please will this game end sometime soon because nothing's happening. Like, it's one all, let's shut up shop. There's 20 minutes to go, what's going on? Whereas I think, and, and absolutely correct me if I'm wrong, what you're born and bred and, and nurtured on is a way of playing football that goes out winning games. Yes, you're playing superstar football clubs in the Premier League, which if you open yourselves up too much, you, you risk real damage. But the team that came up was a counter-attacking side, which I loved watching that went with speed, with purpose and a real bravery, bravery on the ball. And I think, I think players get more respect for taking that shot. I mean, Christ, if you've got someone in the middle of the pitch who keeps passing forward and keeps getting cut out, that wears thin pretty quickly. But if you've got the, um, the, the kind of mental fortitude to do it, I think there's a bit of more patience afforded to a player when, he, when they'll do that. Looking at the fixture when we come back, we were talking before, Fletch, in the, in the bar about these, I say, pre-season friendlies. They sort of are, in a sense. Forest have lost them all, as we record. Um, doesn't matter then, does it? If you win them all, it's great. And well, if you that's lose what I'm all, asking. It looks, no, I mean, it doesn't does matter. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fletch, does it matter if they get tonked by Valencia or not? I'd quite like to see them win one. I've got to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to just be honest. Morale. Yeah, just for morale. Yeah, just, just, just so they don't forget how to do it. I think, that, I think the return is really interesting because... If we sat in a vacuum and, we, and we, we all had the fixtures before the season started, forget where we are now, I think we'd have gone Man United away, Chelsea home, we'd have gone loss, loss. And we'd have been fine with that because then we'd have looked after that and gone, but then we've got X, Y and Z. I think that's different now because it's the restart and you don't really want to start off on a low note. The flip side of all that is the majority of the Man United squad have been at the World Cup. Forrest haven't been in that position. So... Is a rested group at Forest going to be better than an overworked group at Manchester United? I don't know. Nobody knows the answer to this. And then you get Chelsea here. I watched Chelsea against Arsenal just before the season stopped. And Arsenal took the mickey at Stamford Bridge. I mean, Chelsea were poor. And I think unless Graham Potter's worked it out, that's a winnable game for Forest at home against Chelsea. You know, they've made signings that don't seem to fit. They don't seem to understand the system. He's playing two or three different shapes in the course of 90 minutes, which he did sometimes at Brighton, but I think you can do that with overachieving players. I think when you're Chelsea and you've been Champions League winners 18 months ago, you've at least got to know how you play. So I think there's a lot of questions about them. I don't think they score too many goals either, which for a big club like them is a surprise. So I think the Chelsea game's eminently winnable. And I think that after that, you go into a sequence of matches where you say, OK, let's see what you're made of. Let's see what you learned in the first half of the campaign. And let's see where we're going to be. I think Man United, we'll all go there. We'll enjoy it. We'll have a great time. If we can nick anything there, fantastic. But I think the real serious stuff is going to start when Chelsea come here on New Year's Day and that little sequence of games after that. And if they can be positive from that point on, then I think they give themselves a great chance. I'm still fully in the belief, and I mean fully in the belief, that this team will stay in the Premier League this season. I don't think they're going to get relegated. I think they've got a good manager. I think they've got good people, got good players. And I think that the job that you guys will do from the restart onwards is massive because there are going to be lots of teams at the bottom of the league playing under so much pressure, which they feel from their supporters. And that shouldn't be and won't be the case here. So I think it's different. You imagine being an Everton player coming back the best thing that happened to Everton was the break. I mean, they were getting savaged by the fans. The manager was going to get the push. I mean, they're all over the place. Southampton have got Nathan Jones, who, when he left Luton before, couldn't win a match. So all of a sudden you're thinking, what's he going to be like? 
Gary O'Neill's got the job permanently at Bournemouth now. What, what difference is that going to make? Is, is that gonna, can Fulham come back and be the team they were before? So I think everybody here, that the supporters at the ground are going to play a big role in, in the way the second half of the season goes. But I remain absolutely steadfast in my belief that they'll stay up. How would you be viewing these games then, man? You away, Chelsea at home as a, as a player? Um, looking forward to them. There's no rest, in, in apart from a four-week rest. There's no rest from taking on these massive teams. That's that's why there was so much euphoria going back up because it was like, right, we're going to get proper football teams now <laughs> back at the city ground. And when we're on the road, we're going to go to a place like Old Trafford. Um, you've, you've, there's no other way. And it's easy to say from the outside looking in and, and when you cover these games, they've, if they've got any, the players as a collective, any aspirations to look further where their career might end up, they've got to turn up for games like this. Man U, intrigued to see what happens post-Ronaldo. They've got no one else to moan at now, so if the crap, who are they going to point the finger at? Um, Chelsea, I agree. Seen them a couple of times this season, just sat there scratching their head thinking this Do is... Do you know what they are? You've seen no, them, but what are they? No, I don't know. I, I, they're a disappointment to a large degree, I think. Um, again, but then the, the, the kind of fallout of that, of giving one manager over 200 million quid, then saying thanks, see you later, another one coming in. Got a lot of time for Graham, I think he's a good coach, but I think he's going to take a while to bet in there. Um I think fans, as fans, you look forward to these games because it's big, proper football clubs that are uh, Forest are back playing. And as I said, it's easy for me to say watching these games on. You, they've just got to embrace it. Any aspirations about a long career in the Premier League, these are the games you've got to tick off. Do you think the fixtures after Fletcher are a bit of a red herring? Because you were on after the Bournemouth game. I think people collectively lost their mind after blowing that lead against Bournemouth. Now we've got this run coming up again. Is that kind of a bit of a warning sign, don't bank on these fixtures against Leeds, Fulham, etc. Well, how many games have they got left now? 20, 23. 23, right. So they started the season with 38 and they've got to get to about 38 points to stay in the Premier League. So they've still got to get to that target with the points they've got now and the 23 games they've got left. I think if we start to look at every game in a vacuum, then you can start to panic. But the reality is, if they get down to the final game of the season and need three points to stay up, then they know what they've got to do. And I don't think this is going to be done and dusted by the middle of April. I think this is going to go right towards the very end for a lot of teams down there at the bottom. And they've got to keep that belief that they can accumulate the points. They can't get bogged down with an individual game. Because if they do that, it's a pressurised situation to start with and it becomes even more pressurised. The situation was last year, Newcastle didn't win a game of any description in the Premier League until December. And they finished mid-table. So it can change quite quickly. And back-to-back -back wins in the Premier League, that's the most underestimated thing in a Premier League season. If you're in the bottom half and you win back-to-back -back games, your position changes dramatically. And I think any of those teams down there, when they go and put back-to-back -back wins together, it makes a massive difference to the situation you're in. But again, I think it goes down to the point that a lot of players are going to feel pressure. They've got a manager here that doesn't tend to put the players under that kind of pressure. He encourages them to be themselves. He encourages them to play. They get cheered on by a magnificent fan base as well at the same time. So everything kind of stacks up that this should be a very positive return for this football club. I think we all feared, didn't we, for a period of time, if we're honest, that they'd go into the break adrift at the bottom. The reality is they went into the break third bottom of the Premier League. You know, a win away from being out of the bottom three. Now, that is, I think, really positive. So, it could have been worse. It's better. They found a bit of form. They now know. If he sits them down in the changer and the manager and says, look, you know you can win in the Premier League because you've done it. 
So all of a sudden they know that they can put a run of form together and be okay. So they've answered a lot of their own questions. They would have gone into this season with a million questions in their mind, perhaps, wouldn't yeah. they? Can we do it? Can I do this? What happens if this? The first half of the season will have answered a lot of those questions. I, th I think there's that second-guessing nature as well, trying to put myself in, in, in the shoes of a, of a diehard, where it's a wonderful thing to be back in the Premier League, but it'd be nice to fast-forward to me and have it boxed off, and, oh, we're safe, we're safe. Thank Christ for that. I can really enjoy the second half of the season. I've seen it, and, and, I've, and I've mentioned it before, and it's not to try and... Um, get on anyone's nerves when when I look at only given geographically where I live with uh, a lot of Leeds fans around there and they're <laughs> absolutely yeah you get manager in common at one no it's a different story altogether um, but so they got back into the Premier League had a, a very good opening start to that season were ahead of themselves come Easter had two very good results over Easter plain sailing towards the end the next season let's go for the Champions League we'll calm down then it goes down to the last day of the season with a player that's now playing in the World Cup, in, or was playing in the World Cup in Rafinha. So that was the difference between those that team staying up and going down. So I think it would be nice if there was an unexpected um, assault on the Premier League, like a Brentford coming up and, and, and showing different ways of, of how it's done. This might just be Forrest's teething season back. When I say teething, I mean where you do get to April, May time, and you are still checking the table and you're looking at who's got who and who's around you and it might be a final day of the season thing it's it doesn't offer you any solace whatsoever but it'd be exciting but as long as anywhere above that dotted line that is an unqualified success for Forrest's season. You mentioned Brentford there Prutz as well we've all got short memories I think sometimes that we kind of analyse what we're involved in at the moment Brentford made a great start last season then absolutely hit the wall and then they signed Christian Eriksen. And Christian Eriksen essentially kept them in the Premier League. And I think if they didn't have Christian Eriksen, they probably would have got relegated because they were dropping like a stone. So it's amazing how you can find a catalyst at some stage of a Premier League season that can make all the difference. Newcastle did it last season when they brought in Gimmerich and, and Dan Byrne and people like that. And that goes back some to the... Some catalyst, isn't it? Yeah, 300 million quid. It is. But <laughs> when you think about it, they affected yeah. their own starting yeah, 11. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. was the point I was making at the start. That I think when they go into January... The target will be to affect the 11, not to bring in more squad players, not to bring in more numbers, but to bring in players who can make that 11 that goes out there week after week a better team. We saw Newcastle do it last season and do it to great success. Forrest won't do it to that level because they're not going to go and sign a Bruno Gimmerich, but they might just find one or two better than what they've got that makes the team good enough to stay in the Premier League, and I think that'll be the target for them. And if Forrest can get through this season, Fletch, like... Forrest, the promotion was sort of built on quicksand, wasn't it? Because behind the scenes, Forrest aren't exactly a Premier League club in terms of infrastructure. They're playing catch-up as fast as they can. They've put money into the training pitch and the facilities and everything. But if they can get through this season, it hopefully opens a lot of doors, doesn't it? You kind of hope, and I don't know what Brooks thinks about this, you kind of hope that if they do stay up this season, in the summer, they just sit down and take a breath and just then assess it for what it is because they've not been able to do that. The amount of work that had to go in on the infrastructure before the season started, the dressing rooms weren't big enough. There weren't enough cables around the pitch for the television companies. The press box wasn't big enough. The boardroom wasn't big enough. So there's a load of building work that was going on like 48 hours before the first home match of the season. The squad wasn't good enough. All the lone players went back again. Nick Randall, the chairman, said to me, we've not had time to take a breath. And it's still the same. They're now going into January post-World Cup and they've got to go again. I think they're all ready for a rest. And I think if they do stay up this year and then they can just assess for two or three weeks and just see where they are 
I think then you'll get a much more level approach to what they do next season than we've had this year because they'll be afforded more time. And I think at the minute they've been kind of chasing tails and, and making sure that they've got everything in place. But when next season starts and the, the, the close season comes in, they'll just have more time to do what they've got to do in a more measured way and that'll make them hopefully more successful in what they do. Is it sort of a backhanded selling point in the club in a way, Prots, that if you come and join this I hate football as a project, but it can be a bit of a project. And let's hope Listen, you don't, you don't need around. any backhanded selling points. I, I, I'm not going to name names because that's not for me to do, but there are players in the Premier League now who have contacted their representatives to say that they want to go and play for Steve Cooper. So there are players at the minute seeing what's happening here. They see the support, they see the club, and they see the manager, and they want a piece of it. Now, that can only be a positive. Because if you've got established Premier League players saying, any chance you can get me there, that's a big thing. And there's not a lot of newly promoted teams where that applies. You know, people are steering clear until they establish themselves. But people are prepared to come and take a chance on the club and the manager based on what they see. And that's huge for them going into January, that they've got options. A lot of clubs don't have options. They've got to take what's there. This club has got options because they've got a good manager, great fan base, they're a big club. So that's big. And I think that, that puts them in a slightly different position than a lot of teams who get promoted and find the early weeks difficult. So I think that, that's a great selling point. That's not a backhanded selling point. That's a big selling point. And I think by the end of January, you'll start to see some of those people put a shirt on here, and then you'll know what I'm talking about. But there are players established in the, in the top league who have been good players in that league who want to come and play here. Can we, can we guess? No. Ah. Well, you can guess, but I'm not going to tell you. Write down on that pad who you think Fletch is talking about. Ronaldo? No. <laughs> oh, would anyone want to see Ronaldo come to Forest? Of course you'd want Ronaldo at Forest for crying out loud. I wouldn't. What? No. Are you taking a mickey? He looks no. like a right miserable sod. I don't want, you don't want, I don't, you, I, he's a circus. Are you saying that Forrest wouldn't be a better team with Cristiano Ronaldo on the side? I think he's a bit of a circus. I have so much baggage that I, I don't, I, I like the Cooper Forest the way they go in person. I think you are absolutely stark raving now. I don't think it's a point that's going to be relevant anyway. I don't think he's coming. He's taking the 500 grand a week for Saudi money, I would imagine. Um, Prutz, I'm sure you played for good managers and very bad managers. How much would you have loved to play for Cooper? It'd have been great. He's, um, he's a fellow that I've got a lot of time for. He's been always really good with me when we've um, talk, talked to him and interviewed him. When we came and spoke here in the... Um, were we up in the... What part of the... Cold, we're in a colder room than this, Yeah, I think, there's a, there's a the theme talking to you in the flesh, <laughs> and it's really fucking cold. Um, and we bumped into Steve, didn't we? He was off to watch. He was off to watch a game at Notts County. He was yeah, off yeah. to watch the under twenty ones or the yeah. under 18s at Notts County. And he just yeah. he stopped and he chatted and he was chatting to because Paul Hart was with us, um, Gary Bertles as well, and he was fully embracing, wasn't he? I think it's 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 kind of mythologised now, but he's embraced what's gone before when managers haven't done that, and it's it's even more significant in a place like this because of what it's built on. Um, I like his manner. I, I remember I was chatting to him about um, Ryan Brewster. So you'd seen Rian play for him at Swansea, then he'd, he'd signed for Sheffield United for a hell of a lot of money, not not really finding his feet, taking his time to get there. Um, and I just thought he seemed quite young, and when I say immature, not in a not in a derogatory way, but by virtue of being a young man, he seemed quite immature. And he he said he, he just said you've you've just got to work out how to talk to lads. You, he's Rian likes an arm round his shoulder, so he knows how to deal with with foot. 
not just footballers, but the modern day footballer, which is a slightly different beast than the one that we were talking about in the Andy Johnson and the Alan Rogers type. Not yeah. quite the same mould, but no. I, th I think what he does do well is he's very quietly confident in his, in his own ability and he's, he's handled himself very well over the course of the last couple of seasons, given as well the position during the course of the, of the start of the season, because there was that, there, there was the run of games where you're kind of thinking at, uh, about it as a football kind of cynic where you are looking at it going well I've seen managers sack for less I've seen situations where managers gone and you go that's a bit harsh but because it's football you kind of go well that's just the business but the about face of him getting a new contract and dealing with it with great dignity I thought spoke volumes about him I've got to know him a little bit since he's been here um, professionally and socially and I hope that people realise how genuine his feelings are that we were talking in there on our little table before we came out. And there's been a lot of managers who've come here. I, 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 I was born here, raised here, live here, won't leave here. Seen a lot across there. And a lot of managers have come in and said a lot of things and they don't really mean it. There haven't been too many genuine managers in my lifetime who've been over there. Brian would be one of them. I think Paul Hart would be another. And then I think after that, you're kind of looking at the fellow we've got now. And I think a lot of who came in between, they've been short-term things, never really got the city. I think we're quite lucky at the minute to have a fellow that connects with, with everybody the way that he does, and it is absolutely genuine. His family, him, this place means the world to him. I sometimes, after the game, go and sit and have a beer with him after, and he'll come in and he'll sit down and he'll just make a casual passing comment about what's happened that day, and it hits me like a ton of bricks right between the eyes because I think, wow, if, if, if you could put that on the big screen and show the fans, then... You love him to death now, but you'd love him even more, you know. And, and, and the night when he came out against Aston Villa and the, the banners were unfurled. I'll tell you a story. I don't want to speak out of turn because I know this is going to be broadcast. I don't want him to pick up the phone and say, what are you doing saying that, you prick? He came in after the game and it was a draw. Things were, were looking a little bit bleak. And he sat down in his chair and he, he didn't speak straight away. He just sat in his chair and he looked up and he said, we're bottom of the league and they've just done that. They've just done that for me. And he said, I was stood there on the touchline. He said, the cameras are on. He said, and I've gone. And it meant that much to him that night, that show of support from, from the fans. He doesn't need that because he knows what you feel, but, but he connects with you the way that you connect with him. And I just hope that people know that because you don't need me to tell you. It's, 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 it's absolutely unique. I mean, it... You'll have played for a lot of managers. You've never experienced this. I mean, this is... You could go anywhere in the league. Man City got Pep Guardiola, but the fans don't feel about Pep Guardiola what you feel about him. And Pep Guardiola doesn't feel about the Man City fans the way that he feels about you. This is, this is absolutely unique. I know, that, I know that you know that. I'm glad that the owner's seen that. I know that the chairman knows that. And I think it's what's going to carry this club a long way moving forward, that everything about this relationship is genuine. And if I was an outsider looking in, I'd say, no, bullshit, that's not happening. But because I live in the city and I see it, and I see it from both sides, I know that it's real. And I sometimes have to sit down and go, blimey, this is mad, this. Because you just don't see it anywhere else. I think it's special. I think it should be cherished. And I think that ultimately it's going to get this club to where it needs to be and where it should be 
because I think you've got a round peg in a round hole. You've got a manager that fits the city. You've got a city that fits the manager. You've got a club that fits everybody. And I think that regardless of what happens this season, it is going to move forward in the way that everybody wants it to. And I think it's, it's taken a long time and it, there's been a lot of balls ups along the way, but we're in a situation now where we can kind of go, yeah, this is it. This is all of the, all of the experiments, all of the, the people that didn't work out, all the players that came and weren't right, all the managers who came and weren't right. We've now got a situation where this thing can take off. And I think we should all just sit back and, and, and be thankful for that and enjoy it because it is going to be great moving forward, I'm pretty sure. We could finish on that now, I think. That's well, super. I was, yeah. I was going to say... Could get a job in telly, this lad. <laughs> so could you. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.